don't forget to like and subscribe. You can also listen to this on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And we have a PayPal account for any donations that you'd like to give. Your generosity is greatly appreciated. Welcome, everybody, to the Gate Expectations podcast, where I bring in a weekly guest, talk all things Yu-Gi-Oh!, and get to know a little more about each person I talk to. This is the only Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast that is run by a full-fledged journalist such as myself. This is episode 36. If you haven't checked it out yet, you can check out earlier podcasts with guests like Stephen Trevanovsky, Jesse Cotton, Team Samurai X1, Farfa, Crush Cards, Simo, and many more. My two guests for this week are members of arguably the most dominant team in Yu-Gi-Oh! history. Countless event tops and two huge players in GOAT format. It's Dale Belito and Chris Paravic of Team Overdose. That is God and Superman with me here. Dale and Chris, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, no, no. Yeah, thanks. Go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. Go ahead. I mean... We haven't done this before, so we're not really yeah. good at it. Dale, I'm, I, thank go, you for go, having I'll, me. David, thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to be back. Dale, you go. <laughs> um, yeah, not arguably, but thank you for uh, not arguably the best team. The best team. <laughs> yeah, and, I was going to say yeah, something. Yeah, the best. <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt his spiel. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's that's fair. I, I, I've had somebody that actually interrupted me in the middle of my spiel, and we left it on to like on the final recording. <laughs> we let that go, and, and uh, there's some background noise. I think. It God, can you guys us. hear that? Oh my yeah. God, it sounds like it <laughs> yeah, sounds like farting, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a drill in the back. Oh, it almost sounds like a whale singing. Almost. Yeah, I have no idea how to. I mean, I could probably walk even further away from it. Oh. But there's like no comfy. There's no couch, and like I have, a, I have a spare bedroom upstairs that's like all nothing in it, and I just oh, don't really? want to sit in a spare bedroom. <laughs> I think this is the longest I've ever gone and done an intro without actually Yu-Gi-Oh like being spoken about so far. So we're 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 breaking barriers as we speak, and we're only a couple minutes into the podcast. That's what we did. Overdose always broke barriers. If you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is true, and I, I also want to take this opportunity, man, uh, to can, Chris. I want to congratulate you. You just just got engaged today actually wow no so i got engaged a couple weeks ago but uh okay. it became facebook official today like, oh that's right. okay it was just well, more then. like oh yeah let's like post it i guess but yes oh. thank you i appreciate that well thank you for making me look like a fool now thank you so much <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like that that's cool yeah. <laughs> and then dale you're not too too far behind either because i think you you got engaged just uh late last year yeah about a year ago yeah so that's good me, me uh i'm not i'm not quite here that but we're getting Getting close to that area with my girlfriends. Getting close. Not quite there. Almost there, though. So pressure's on. Behind you guys. I know, right? Pressure's <laughs> on now. I have to go buy that ring. That's what I have to do next. Yeah, that's the big one. That's always the big yeah. one. <laughs> All right. So now to actually get to some Yu-Gi-Oh! talk. Uh, Grant, do, to you gentlemen here, some of the finest players that have ever been in the league. Uh, not playing so much now. But you guys are still very active in uh, GOAT format. Uh, I know that, Dale, you released uh, some commentary videos uh, not too long ago. And then, Chris, you also did uh, kind of an interview discussion with uh, Yannick Lewecki about uh, his, his zombie deck. So let's start with that because that one's the most uh, recent one so far. Uh, Chris, you looked. we had a, a zombie deck that won uh, GOAT format's last event there. Really, really cool deck. 
I think it's like three pyramid turtles, three real cookies, kills a lot of warriors. Uh, kind of walk me through what uh, like what happened during that interview. Yeah, so I mean, I I reached out to uh, a delinquent right as soon as the tournament ended, and I congratulated him uh, because I was really ecstatic to see that he uh, won FLC fifth. I mean, f uh, seventeen with this zombie deck, which I mean. It was on nobody's radar, uh, and in particular, not even just the fact that it was a zombie deck, but that it was a zombie deck in conjunction with main decking three Kaikus and three Royal Decrees, uh, which is a great meta call right now. Uh, and so I reached out to him right away, and I was like, hey, man, I am I am super proud that you did this thing. Uh, like, good job. Uh, and then we got to talking a little bit about the things that uh, other people seem to think about the deck uh, and, like, what what uh, misconceptions were still out there. And so there, there was basically like this uh, void uh, of, of space that uh, he wanted, he wanted to uh, talk about, like to, I mean, to fill with his own thoughts of what led him to run that deck and, uh, uh, and how things went for him and what he would do going forward. And I said, I was more than happy to, you know, hop on a, hop on a camera and talk to him about it. And he, he was grateful. Uh, I mean, for, for the opportunity, uh, but so was I. I mean, I was also <laughs> grateful for the opportunity. Uh, it was just a really good thing where we were able to get together and talk about it. Uh, and uh, anyway, so the deck was just, um, it was a really good meta call. I'm just saying in particular because Ryo Koki uh, is 2,400. It beats over Chaos Sorcerer, which is uh, now the center point of GOAT format. Uh, and uh, it also uses Royal Decree, which is really strong against Chaos Warriors and, and Chaos Turbo, which are the two most popular decks. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much more I can say about that. I, I say go check out that video. Uh, I talked to him. It's posted on the GoFormat.com YouTube page. Uh, go check that out. Uh, you'll hear from the man's uh, mouth himself. Uh, but I'm just, I just want to uh, say the only, the main thing about that is it really, to me, is the most exciting thing that has happened in Go Format in years. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, because everyone's, you know, there's been a slow transition from Go Control to Chaos Turbo and Chaos Warriors, but for somebody to shake it up and so violently and dominate the field uh, so convincingly uh, in such a surprising way is exciting to me. And I think it should be exciting to everyone else who plays Go Format. Dale, did you happen to see that deck list at all? Oh yeah, I definitely saw it. Yeah, so when we when I look at it, we we say zombies, even though there's seven. There's three pyramid turtle, uh, three Ryukoki, and one vampire lord. But it has giant rat to support the pyramid turtle, which is arguably like one of the best cards of the deck, which make Ryukoki a vampire lord. You know, how did this this deck like kind of dominate the meta right now in goat format? It's just the meta call, like one of the stronger meta calls, and it's very similar to, I mean. Like when Gravekeepers, I don't know if you remember when Gravekeepers came out of nowhere, mm -hmm. and it was just like a solid, solid medical type of thing, and it, that's something that I just I draw it back to. Like if you were to pinpoint the time in Yu-Gi-Oh where a solid medical took everyone by storm, it was when Gravekeepers. I don't remember what the format was, but it was Tengu Plants, I think is, that you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, and then Gravekeeper just came and Royal tributed everybody. Mm -hmm. So yeah. It, it, feels like that right now but we we there has been i think two tournaments since and i'm not sure if anyone no it, it if anyone piloted those decks that deck no i don't think they have and that's that's one of those things that i was talking to so the tournament that he won was two weeks ago that was and to be to dale's point that is the last major tournament uh quote unquote major tournament uh that go for has had in the past two weeks we've had 
um, smaller tournaments. There's uh, the uh, World Championship Qualifier, which is a Patreon uh, exclusive tournament, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not as uh, it's not as open. It's not as prestigious as the FLC tournaments are. Um, so, but yeah, to Dale's point, no, no one, no one's run it. And and when I had the conversation with uh, Jenik yesterday, um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, we, we were one of the things we talked about was, you know, are people sleeping on this? Are people giving it its uh, due credit? And I mean, him and I both agree that they're not. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying that zombies are the second coming of Go Control here, uh, mm-hmm. but I also think that there's something to the concept of recruiters having an inherent way to both protect your life points and special summon a beater that's stronger than uh blade knights and and kaikus uh and never and and for that i'm saying it has a really good matchup against the deck that in fact actually most people are playing uh well i don't say most people but uh more people right now are playing chaos warriors and warrior uh variants than they are chaos turbo it's a slim margin it's a slim it's a slim um comparison but the numbers bear that out in the last two events uh where chaos warrior and these aggro decks are more popular and i'm just saying that uh uh, this zombie deck is not being looked at i think heavily enough uh or at at the very least experimented with as a as a baseline because there are some choices that i think a lot of people would look at that deck and say hmm does it need to be there but you would think i mean or at least i I mean i would have expected that somebody would have uh, well, they could have done one of two things. They could have taken a zombie, the zombie shell that he started with and modify that or take some of the good things or some of the interesting things of that and apply it to other things. I was really expecting in the last couple of events, somebody to take a chaos turbo deck, main deck, Royal decree, and maybe add tribute to the doomed instead of rejected break. Uh, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen that in the past two weeks either. So I'm just saying there's, it's, it seems like it's being slept on for one reason or another. And, and I think that, uh, uh there's going to be a reckoning sooner or later where people, like are forced to re- relook at this because it does well and they're not expecting it to. Yeah, because when we look at this deck, we, we see like six recruiters right off the bat with Giant Rat and Pyramid Turtle. For people who don't know what a recruiter is, it's when a monster is thrown by battle and it gets a special summon another monster from the deck. And then it's running three Berserk Gorilla, which pretty much trounches like every single like normal summonable monster that like all the Chaos Warrior decks are playing right now outside of a, a pumped up Blade Knight, which it just trades off, which is still big in its own right. And, and then not to mention like Vampire Lord is again kind of has that same attack, but also is very problematic for a lot of those warrior decks because their only outs at this point are a pumped up blade knight or a dd warrior lady which uh, and then you know with all with world decree shutting off all the traps there's so many problems that this deck can give and it's such a, a great utility but also a huge beatdown deck and uh, you know what other things could could both use uh, attribute to this deck success uh, that happened a couple weeks ago Dale, you want to talk about it? it, It's just a surprise factor. I think a surprise factor and people aren't Mm -hmm. used to dealing with recruiters. People don't know how to play against recruiters. Mm -hmm. Like, I... So I have a game plan for every matchup as so does Chris. And I know how I play that matchup and honestly, I'm hoping people play that deck. No offense. (laughs) (laughs) No offense. (laughs) Well, yeah, so, I mean, to touch... Yeah, Dale, I think that 
if I was playing, for example, if I was playing a Thunder Dragon Chaos Control deck, which I imagine that you're probably on right now, I would think that, yeah, I want to play against this deck. It's a good matchup. But if you were playing like a warrior deck, I think that this would be like the bane of your existence. You don't want to play against a deck with six recruiters turning into Rikokis and Royal Decree. Uh, so I think I do think it's a metal. Um, it's it was a good meta call for that tournament. There were more aggro decks. Uh, the, well, the aggro decks in general took over more than fifty percent of the field of the tournament they played it, which is really high uh, historically speaking. But all of that is just uh, there's pressure on people to uh, beat Chaos Turbo. Uh, so um, yeah, more aggro decks than there were Chaos Turbo in the field. And this is a really good uh, deck for that, uh, in part because I said, like I said, Ryukoki just is bigger than their monsters, uh, but also Royal Decree. Royal Decree, Royal Decree it is a very powerful card in GOAT format right now. Uh, <laughs> and I think that's being slept on. And uh, to Dale's point, uh, if I'm right, I mean, Dale, you correct me if I'm wrong. If you're on Thunder Dragon Cast Control, one of the things that you have that uh, would make you want to play against this deck is like you've got these extra scapegoats and Thousand Eyes Restrict that just make it such a huge problem. But most people aren't doing that right now. And I think that's created an opportunity for something like this to succeed. Yeah, 100%. 100% of how I, how I play, especially with like Thunder Dragon Cast Control not having too many traps. So you're not really mm -hmm. affected by Decree. And you could. Free willingly do stuff when decrees up. Yep. So, mm -hmm. and then this this kind of style of deck, uh, you know, kind of became a little bit popular in formats afterwards. Like when we had uh, Shonen Jump Championship, Philly, Indianapolis, and, and Hamilton, which is adjacent to Toronto for people who don't know. Uh, we that's where we started to see a lot of the recruiter chaos once uh, Metamorphosis kind of kind of got hit. And then people were turning to more like like you know triple shining angel, triple mystic tomato, and then kind of combining that maybe with uh, with like Zayborg or you know that kind of stuff. And we saw Stein like came out that came out of nowhere. I think that one Hamilton, I'm pretty sure undefeated was Corey Fabish. And so now we kind of see like a year in the future of goat format in a sense because recruiter was so popular after goat format kind of died out. But now it's kind of like surfaced again with this zombie deck. Is uh, is that something that both these would kind of agree upon with that? Um, yeah, I don't. Can I go? You Dale yeah. first. I'm just gonna say yeah. No. So 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 <laughs> I'm going to. If you see a lot of my tier list videos, which I know a lot of people don't agree on some of the stuff, but I always kind of rank recruiter high based off what it might be able to do. Like I historically, recruiter monsters are strong, right? And I feel like it's still yet to be broken, but yeah, I, I kind of. So I can chime in. Yeah, I can say yeah. there's two things. One is uh, let's not, uh, I mean, there's a certain segment of the GoForum community that uh, have, have liked historically angel chaos control, uh, which is just, it's, it's like, um, well, it's not like chaos recruiters. It's actually very different, but I'm just going to say it uses Metamorphosis yeah. with Shining Angel. That's a different deck. We're not talking about that. We're just talking about yeah. uh, Mystic Tomato, Shining Angel, and maybe Zaborgs and stuff like that with uh, with no Metamorphosis or Scapegoat or no, like more akin to the 2006 decks. I think that's what David's talking about. Um, uh, okay. And, and uh, to the point of what I said no about is, so the thing, the thing to pay attention to in this current era of GOAT format is how much uh, everything sort of revolves around Chaos Sorcerer. And if the format was just GOAT control, 
uh, then I think that chaos recruiters would be really strong as in like your 1400, uh, recruiters would be, uh, fodder for, or bait for thousand eyes restrict. And you can now summon your chaos sorcerers on top of that to remove the thousand eyes restrict and create a problem for goat control. But the format isn't goat control nowadays. Like I said, it's all chaos sorcerers. So those mystics, Matos and shining angels, when you put them on the board, they are just there to get removed by Chaos Sorcerer. And the problem with that compared to Zombies, the thing that Zombies, the recruiter engine that Zombies uh, can run, is that mm -hmm. they can turn those recruiters on their own turn into something to answer the Chaos Sorcerer if it's left in attack mode. And that makes it fundamentally different than the uh, Shining Angel Mystic Tomato version, which, you know, best you can do is hope to pull maybe a Nidori out of your deck or a Didi Warrior Lady out of your deck and then just break even taking a bunch of life point damage uh so it's not it's not the same um and i don't think that you're going to see chaos recruiter sort of come back uh or at the very least not in the form it was in 2006 just because you also you also have in addition to chaos Sorcerer, uh you know even chaos Sorcerer being in defense mode which if people are smart in this matchup they do uh you also have to deal with something like great high in the format and zombies have that way or at least this zombie deck had this way of answering that situation by running one tribute to the doom to answer face down spies, but number two, Ryukoki being able to attack over that. Uh, the fact that uh, you know that's all together those those uh, zombie cards with the Ryukoki make one cohesive engine, including with Book of Life to remove cards, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, that makes it more synergistic than a Chaos Recruiter deck would by just tossing in Zaborg. Zaborgs and having to draw into it does, does not answer that spy or sorcerer situation as reliably as this like a one card answer can turn into Koki to answer. Mm -hmm. and, and then the deck is also running like triple uh, tribute to the doomed as well which is something that we i don't think i've ever seen in, in goat format at all like that card being run i've seen like offerings to the doom but never anything like tribute to the doomed and i, I i'm only seeing it with like great discard fodder with with ryu koki mm -hmm. but i'm sure you guys can maybe share a little bit more insight of how that card was so effective in this deck especially with a uh, book of life also an another being another card that would help synergize with that so I, i'm going to just sorry i'm gonna i'm gonna talk back this point a bit to yeah go ahead to the recruiter deck that why like chris says it's not good so i have a different stance on this and i think recruiters mm -hmm. are i think played incorrectly like one of the strengths in recruiter is creature swap or yeah shiny angel brings out another monster that could get eaten up by sorcerer what if you're playing it with like recruiter decree and triple book bring out a faith they have to sorcerer because you're going to make a play on it and have book for the i just think there's a lot more that could be discovered with this deck um, but no, Chris, Chris is right on a lot of stuff there. It's just, this is where I feel like there might be some untapped stuff still. I, like, I think Tsukiyomi is super underpowered or not underpowered, underrated right now. Yeah, it's definitely. And under. super underrated. I think it's one of the, it's going to make its way into, Two I think the, Two yeah. And I, I think like the, there, there's merit for it to be in the chaos warrior deck. To be honest, especially mirror matches and slower game. I, I, That's I different. On, uh, yeah, honestly, I haven't. So there is a clash of champions this weekend that I'm committing the majority of my week to. But <laughs> yeah, it, you never know. If we had this talk next Monday, I probably would have not said any of this stuff. So. We'll see. <laughs> 
<laughs> Dang, maybe I should have guys had you on next week instead of this week. You could do that, Darn, too. Yeah. yeah, you could do that, too. So fine. Uh, uh, that's something we have to think about. Yeah, because the Clash of Champions is happening uh, next weekend, which is basically if you've won uh, if you've won an event, like a YCS Showroom Championship, doesn't matter, like it's ARG, it can be any of those events, uh, you're eligible for this event. I'm pretty sure both of you are uh, eligible for this ne- this event that's happening next week, which I, I could commentate and not 100% sure yet. Depends on my schedule. I haven't told them I can commit to it yet, but it is definitely like a cool event to see that like you're basically going to see like top level play uh, all across the board yeah i'm excited about it you're also going to have a lot of i mean so just to touch on your point yeah if you've won a ycs shonen jump go for a championship arg lcs flc nationals worlds any point in history not just in go format but if you are a champion of any kind you are invited to the class of the champions uh, and the sign-up deadline for that is saturday april 24th uh, the tournament is going to be taking place on Sunday, April 25th. Uh, and there's going to be, there's big names already in there. You, you know, it, you got me, Dale, you got Ryan Spicer, you got Jonathan LeBounty, you got Philly Luna. You know, these are uh, people that a lot of us grew up on uh, re- uh, reading Metagame. Uh, their names are on Metagame. And uh, I think it's, uh, I think it's going to be super interesting. I'm really excited. Chris, are you going to be attending that uh, that event? Yeah, that's like I mean, there's there's only maybe there's like two tournaments this year that I said okay, you know, I'll try to maybe fit in some other stuff throughout the year, uh, but there are two guaranteed I am going to be playing in. One is Clash of the Champions, and two is Worlds. I don't know how I'm qualifying for Worlds. Hopefully, it's at Clash of the Champions, uh, but uh, you know, those are the two that I'm most excited about this year. Yeah, and. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, that, that's the same for nope. me. Like, I really want to play this tournament, and I would hammering Scully to put it on a Sunday. I'm like, put it on a Sunday <laughs> so I could please play. <laughs> Just like, so I don't have to take off another day off. Like, I, I, I already have my invite for Worlds, but I just want to, like, beat Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll get we'll get to that a little bit later on. That is something I want to ask Dad later on in this podcast. But uh, n- now to focus on Dale a little bit more now, because because um, lately now you've been starting to release more uh, like gameplay breakdowns of uh, of these gold format decks and kind of taking you a blast from the past. I remember Dale like way back when when I was actually Yugi tubing and you were as well. Um, you were basically doing the same thing. You were taking you were doing like dual commentaries. Uh, of videos that were like that were surfaced up on the net and you would comment on them like often your own and now you've kind of brought that back into goat format so can you tell me a little bit more about uh, these videos that you're now doing with goat format about uh, these these gameplay breakdowns uh yeah for sure so a lot of us romance like we romance with goat format as being like this very very pure pure Yu-Gi-Oh format where a lot of it is heavily decided on reads and um, a lot of the new school players don't think that reads were super important back then. So I like mm-hmm. to I like to post a lot of content where, for example, in a lot of the game in the two games that I recently posted, my opponent yep. opens two pieces of Trinity. So he opens Pot, Delinquent, and Dushu, and I still win that game. And then there's another game where he opens Trinity Set Faith or or Graceful Duo Set Faith. Like, I'm just, and my hands aren't super strong, but you could, reads are super important. And a lot of people mm-hmm. don't understand why I make plays or why I make reads. I'm sure Chris can, Chris has broken down a couple of my, my games and he's like, oh, why'd you do that? And then 
I, I probably couldn't explain it properly, but it's like, oh, yeah, you drew a ring to, to bail you out of there. But, no, it, it's just I, I like to talk about my gameplay and what separates the next tier players to the very good players already. There's, there's mm-hmm. very few players that are, very, that are up there. There's, there's a lot of extremely talented duelists right now, but then there, there is another level. And, like, am I at that level? Yeah, but is there a level further ahead? I think there is. Yeah, the, the Chris Provic level. But, <laughs> but yeah, like, I, honestly, it, it's Yu-Gi-Oh! I, I, such a passion. Like, it, it's a passion project for me to show, like, hey, you could do this stuff. And it's not all um, whoever gets lucky and draws better. I th- We've always known that as top-level players, but... Yeah, just just to show, like I, I like to show that hey, I'm still pretty good at this game. Mm-hmm. So I remember, like back, like in a lot of these older formats, like making the reads were, were so huge, and I, I try to implement that in the the current Yu-Gi-Oh nowadays. I can still make them here and there, but like way back when, it, we had to be like turns and turns and turns ahead of players, and that was. Every time when I when I came down to Toronto and played with you guys at Cardmasters, Dale, this is you. Like you guys were so far ahead of the game, it was amazing how much foresight you guys had. And then and then Chris also was like a sick player for knowing how to make reads, and it's just disgusting the kind of reads you you can make, Chris. Like I've seen, I've watched you play like in in real life and online, and and the your reasoning and logic, which speaks to my heart so much because I'm a philosophy major. Like using those skills, like get you these sick reads, and it's kind of uncanny like how you can make these guys so how can you make these kinds of reads in the in goat format that was like that we say is like reads are like all about it all about the game so uh, if you don't mind i'll start on this one chris and you can you can elaborate or take your point but so you said what what you said there was foresight where people are looking Mm -hmm. forward but a lot of people are forgetting what happened earlier right so I think Chris is very similar where we can almost remember the whole game as it goes on by just looking at the graveyard and be like, okay, this happened here. He did this because of this. And mm-hmm. like, honestly, if I were to break down a, a fifth, like a match, it could probably take an hour to not even, not just the match, like one of the games to be like, I made this play because of this. And people are too, they're only looking forward and they don't often refer to like, opponent behavior patterns and how players will play a game one, a game two, a game three. And mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, in-game stuff and being able to, like, a, a, a read is, like, just as strong as a top deck, right? So that, that's how, how I view it. And, and I'm going to talk this back to that zombie deck where if Decree is up, that's less reads for me to have to make. <laughs> so... That's why, I, like, I, I love that matchup. I love cards. I love, I love stuff that shut off a certain amount of cards. I'm like, okay, so now I only have to play around these. So that's why I, I... The zombie deck is very good. Don't get me wrong. Very innovative, but please, everyone. I, I want that. I want all of it. <laughs> Could you elaborate on that point more on how, like, Decree makes you, uh, makes you have to make less reads? Yeah, I don't have to worry about traps. <laughs> okay. And, like... Okay, so now I, I'm only worrying about. Okay, so if this, like Chris, Chris even said to a point where, yeah, you summon chaos or certain defense because the only outs are now tribute to the doomed, mm-hmm. right? So it's just small stuff that 
you have to know how to like again like learning how to play matchups like i think one of the most skillful matchups to play is against burn right like good players know how to play against burn right and and there's people that think it's like a cheese deck but it's there's ways to win like you don't even need to draw perfect just know how to play against it and you you could navigate your way around that matchup Mm -hmm. chris all you Okay. <laughs> I mean, I I was really I really, I wanted to hear you talk more about that because I don't think that burn is necessarily the the best matchup that like or best exemplifies like how skillful a player is when they're playing against it. I think it's like definitely something you need to know and definitely something like I mean about how to play against it. But uh, I also think that uh, well, it doesn't matter. Forget burn. I don't want to talk about burn. Separate, <laughs> separate from that, I just want to say you know back to the reads thing. Uh, so yeah, that's probably, you know, before Diamond Dude Turbo was a thing, uh, I think that I was probably best known for the reads that I make, uh, both online because I started as a YVD player and, uh, in real life. And, uh, I've got some really cool stories. I don't really want to, we don't need to get into that that now, but I'll just say that, uh, Dale's right that, that, that about like how, how you can formulate reads. There's more. I think there's more to that. Like, I mean, and uh, David, you said something before about just logically and reasonably like deducing things uh, or you hinted at that. And that's, that's a big part of it too. Uh, but the thing is, it's, it's also not just, um, it's not just in, in terms of uh, how do I put this? Like if, if I, if I want to, uh, if I snatch stole a chaos sorcerer uh, on the previous turn and then uh, my, my opponent, like, gave it to me when there was one back row and then they drew and I, they didn't shuffle their hand and they set the card they drew with it, which was a monster. I, I know that like, I can pretty safely use thousand eyes restrict on my following turn. Cause there's not going to be a book of moon behind that face down monster. Uh, he would have used it. Like, so that's like a process of elimination kind of read. That's, that's not difficult. That's just, okay, well, it's not book of moon. What is that? Whatever. Uh, there's also a lot in uh, behavior uh, that, and, and it's, it's really funny because um you know, Dale, I watched your video, like part one of your match against SD Killa, and yeah. there was a spot where he set he set a back row, attacked the monster, mm-hmm. and you talked about what that could be. You you highlighted that it was an important card, uh, but and then he after he attacked the monster, he set a second spell trap, and you you kept saying yep. that it was an important card, important card, important card. All I kept saying when I was watching this video was, okay, obviously that's a dashu. Obviously, I said that too, though. Yeah, I not he did say that. I, he I said, said that. it. I he said, said it before it was flipped. Yeah. Oh wow! Then I, okay. I know that. I, I, yeah, he did. So I so if you watch that whole video, yeah, he does that again, and I'm like, I know that's the shoot. Okay. Well. So I I pick I pick up on it. Well, okay. Again. Anyway, my point my point is my point is really not just in terms of like I mean I, I'll go back and watch it separate. That's separate. But I'm saying my point is that's a behavioral read. That's like like oh people get into patterns when they play. And when they know that they want to protect their, their one car in case they run into a morphing jar, they want to protect this one car. This is the one card I definitely want to activate the following. Like there's a, that's a signal. And the same thing also, there was a later in that match when he had ring of destruction and you had a read on ring of destruction uh, or book of moon. But when you said ring of destruction first, my thought to you when I was watching the video was 
Dale, you just made a good read because that is Ring of Destruction. And it turned out that it was Ring of Destruction. But those were both, those were not logical deductions as much as they were behavioral deductions. And uh, and there's a lot that you can catch online. People maybe don't think that you can, but uh, how often somebody looks at their graveyard, how often they shuffle their hand or don't shuffle their hand, what they set, when they set it, where they set it. Uh, these things all come into play. And in real life, it's only... There's so much more information. And I guess to answer the question that you actually posed in the beginning of this conversation, David, it's uh, the, th the best way to make the best reads is to be in the game. Uh, and a lot of people, uh, they aren't. I mean, they're sitting there and they're playing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that they're not there. What I mean is that uh, Dale touched on this before. This is the thought I was going through my head as he was talking about it. Like we can reconstruct games from graveyards, but I, most of the time, it depends what, if I'm playing online, if I'm busy doing other things in it, uh, but certainly almost all the time when I'm in real life, I don't need to look at a graveyard. I know everything that happened in this game. I know why it happened. I know what I expected. And I know like what surprised me or what I was mad about, like what draws you had, what like, or what draws you can have net from this point forward. Uh, I know how many knocks are gone. I know how many of your guys are uh, banished from knock or whatever. Like, and that's because in the game, I am in the moment. And that is my one like most salient skill uh that i i have generally that i've been able to apply to uh Yu-Gi-Oh and find success with and that that is just taking myself off of autopilot uh to the point where it's like i am focused on the game and and uh i'd say uh for anyone who was interested in i guess diving into that subject deeper and learning more about how to do that uh, I recommend I've made, I made this recommendation before. I recommend it all, all the time. In fact, uh, there's a book called Talent is Overrated. Um, I think the subtitle is uh, What Separates World Class uh, Performers from Everybody Else. From from everybody, everybody. Yeah, exactly. It's from yeah. Jeff Colvin. And uh, it's a great book. And he, in the book, he talks about the story. Uh, I won't. I won't, I'll give you the shorthand version. It's about Tiger Woods and like how great Tiger Woods was. Uh, and in the like golfers, most of the time they have their swing, uh, they'll wind up and they'll, they'll swing. Uh, and they have this motion that they, you know, try to practice and harness and try to perfect. And they, they try to execute it every time they're, they're making a long drive. Uh, and, uh, he's seen people like in the middle of their swing get distracted by something that like somebody coughs or somebody drops something or a piece of glass breaks or like there's car backfire or something. Uh, but that he saw this one match where Tiger Woods uh, w could have been distracted uh, by something like that. I forget what it was uh, mid swing. And all of a sudden Tiger stopped and he'd never seen somebody stop mid swing like that before. And the whole point of that was just to, uh, give a lesson on how to take yourself auto, off autopilot to not just do the thing that you've practiced 10,000 times before, but be in the moment and try to execute in the moment as perfectly as you can. Uh, and uh, if you're in the moment when you're playing uh, go format game, I think uh, reads will come to you a lot more naturally, a lot more accurately uh, than if you're just trying to do what everyone else does, which is just like do just like I, I guess the thing that most people do is just like the logical deductions. And then, you know, not everyone great at that. But yeah, reads do matter. I don't know if they matter uh as much um right now in Yu-Gi-Oh! compared to when everything was a go control mirror match, but they definitely matter. Uh they definitely decide games. So it's definitely a skill you wanna uh practice and harness and try to
<laughs> sorry, guys. Don't know, yeah, sorry, sorry, guys. Dale's got some construction going, renovation going on in the house right now, which is that background noise. Uh, but Chris, the, I, I want to touch up on you for one point in this, and Dale, you can get on in this too afterwards, yep. um, because this is kind of relevant for, for the here and now, because uh, the whole pandemic, everybody is like being forced to play uh, online with remote duels, and then, of course, going format is being done the same way it's being done on Dueling Book. And, you know, as an experience, you've had, you played on YVD, which is Yu-Gi-Oh! Virtual Desktop, which is like the OG of online play. <laughs> so, do, is it different having to make those kinds of reads online than it is in person? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I told you, there's there's a lot more information available to you in real life. You've, you'll find that when people, uh, well, I mean... How do I put this? So people shuffle their hands like sort of incessantly in real life. Uh, it's yes. just it's like something we we just do. It's it's sort of like how players uh, will play with chips at the table, uh, and you can tell by the position of cards, like the specific cards in their hand, uh, which cards they value more. And if you're paying attention to that, you're paying attention to how long they've had it or or, or stuff like that. You can deduce really like. Uh, uh, important information like, oh, he's got a tribe or a snatch in his hand. And it's not just because I haven't given him an opportunity to use it. It's because that's the only thing that it could be. Uh, and uh, that kind of thing is what can keep you away from committing to the board before the time is right. Uh, and, and I'm just saying that that kind of information, the, the physical information of where's my opponent looking, where's my, how, how much is my opponent focused on the graveyard, how much is my opponent trying to calculate? Like that stuff is all way more present in real life. Online, that stuff uh, isn't there as much. Um, but I'd say uh, there's there's still there's still a lot of information online, and there's and it a lot of it comes from uh, nowadays anyway. Like I'd say in 2021, the average skill level of uh, Go format players is. Uh, probably below what the best players were in 2005 uh in 2005 but but still way better than the average goat player in 2005 most people know a lot of things uh a lot of the tricks today uh because the information's been out there uh and they've, they've been able to play like back in the day if you wanted to play Yu-Gi-Oh and you weren't into wow Dale, are you literally getting a glass of water yeah oh <laughs> You can hear that? My bad. Yep. <laughs> hold, on, hold on, hold on. I know how to. I know how to prevent this. Yeah. Okay. So if only there was a way. <laughs> the mute button. So. <laughs> anyway. So uh, what I was saying is, guys. <laughs> so what I was trying to say is that back in the day, if you weren't into YVD, and believe me, a lot of people were not. That was like a very nerdy thing back then. Uh, it's funny to see people like come around and like want to play Yu-Gi-Oh uh, online now, but back then it was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Back then you had, if you want to play Yu-Gi-Oh, you had to go by your friend's house or you had to go to a local. You prob probably got in like less than 20 matches a week or whatever. But like now you've got people climbing these uh, leaderboards playing like 20 matches a day. And uh, so there's a lot more experience that players nowadays have uh, and a lot more information's out there. So, so they've seen a lot of the things that the pros in the past uh, were exposed to, uh, but like they see it way more often. And I'm just trying to say that uh, you can also make reads and uh, or deductional reads uh, based on what people are trying to hide. 
Uh, so if somebody's like not looking at the graveyard for a particularly long period of time, for example, that is also a key piece of information that, uh, or like when they set a monster and they are not looking at the graveyard, that's a piece of information. Uh, the better players, I think, uh, mix it up uh, in a way to make themselves unpredictable. Uh, yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was, that was the big thing that I would, when it got to me touch on is, um, yeah, we're hard to read. At that level, we're, hard, we're, we're very difficult to read, right? <laughs> and I play other people at this level, and I can't, like, I, I could, I'm pretty sure Chris could say it too. Like, you could read, your, you could read the average person, like, not even the average, like, the average Go format player perfectly, almost. Mm-hmm. Where when you get to that next level, it's like, okay, you have to make the read that if they made, like I'm, I'm, I'm making the read that you made the read that I made this read, <laughs> if, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. So I have, I have actually footage of matchups that I'm gonna do where I, I get exposed, right? And it's against only top level players, and by top level players, it's it's Labounty. Me and Labounty played, uh, like a, this is an amazing match. I got to dig through it, but yeah, he he made a solid play. I beat him though, so if it counts for anything, I beat him. <laughs> but he makes a solid, solid play. And I was like, yeah, I should have figured. And no, it's one of those things like, yeah, what separates? Is it easier to make reads in person? Yeah. Like, like Chris was talking to, to stuff about people consistently shuffle their hands and do certain things. Like, but when I played, I never shuffled my hand. <laughs> on my opponent's turn, I left my hand on the table and just watched what they played. And like graveyard. Okay, so graveyard tendencies maybe something to pick up on but like we do stuff to make it very difficult for us to read yeah like I that, actually, that's that's the next level i don't when i'm when my opponent's starting uh the game i don't look at my hand uh and that's the thing that i think like i'm i I'm in uh i don't know how many years i've been playing this game almost 20 years playing this game i don't think i've ever come across somebody who does something like that uh where i mean it's not just by the way this is to dale's point we were talking about how he making reads the other side of that coin as a uh as a i want to say pro but i'm putting air quotes people can't see that as a pro Yu-Gi-Oh player uh the other side of that coin is restricting the amount of information that your opponent can have about you and to be cognizant of the information you are putting out there and to minimize that not just by mixing it up not by like consciously just mixing it up but by by realizing you know what am i looking at like what am i uh when i go to set a card like am i um you know what information am i giving my opponent when i go to set that card and maybe pick it back up to my hand uh and then doing certain things to give your opponent a specific impression uh that benefits you that the controlling the flow of information and making sure that that's a unidirectional flow of information where your opponent's just feeding you and you're not feeding your opponent that is the that is the skill and it is it is it is way more uh uh, present in in real life, just because there's so much more information, just in, in terms of behavioral uh, mannerisms that uh, that come up, and uh, it's it's super interesting. I, I really love that aspect of the game, and I, I, that's one of the things that really drew me into goat format in the first place because there was that was such a big component of uh, goat goat control mirror matches that, like I said, you don't really see as much in when you're playing you know Chaos Turbo against Chaos Warriors. But uh, yeah, it's it does matter. But I'm just saying, it's I love that part of the game. 
I, I had an interesting conversation on my, on my podcast a couple of weeks ago with uh, Alex Thunderpants Vanson, and we talked about how you, we can even gain information about uh, who are playing even before the match starts. So, for example, if I if we were to like sit down and maybe it was like five minutes before the round starts, there'd be like a like a casual conversation that come in, and then maybe you can start digging for information for where you start. Because I know a lot of play a lot of players have asked me, you know, um, where are you from? Lose to like yep, where you from? You, yep. What did you lose to? Yeah. What did you would you win? Like how did Every the time. games go today? Uh, is this your first event? You know, little yep. information like that because uh, can like really give away. Uh, every round, what's going on? Yeah. So is I that every round. you guys? Yeah, you guys do it every round. Hundred percent. Yeah, that's like that's like like there's no way I don't start that. <laughs> yeah, way. Okay. but obviously, obviously, okay. So by every round, I do it to like round five, six, seven, only because like you're facing the known mm-hmm. players mm-hmm. at that time. And yeah, I mean, I had the luxury of sitting down and people being, oh, I'm against Dale, or and I'm sure Chris had it too, and people just play bad against yeah us. that's i mean people that's that's definitely part of it like i've definitely have a higher win rate because of my name but there's yep. other parts too like i mean i wrote an article back when i was doing yugi overdose uh it was called like tips for tournament in real life tournament play and like a, 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 certain things like showing up at the table before your opponent also a big advantage like you're set up and then you have dice out and you get to use your your dice and you don't have to worry about like if they're using like some rig things and you're you're befriending the people on the left and right side of you so that they're uh like there to you know in case there's ever any any altercation in the match like where there's a disagreement like you can have like witnesses that can back you up and you can also tell your like you can watch your opponent set up and you know chat with them and you don't have to like you're set up you don't have to you don't have to shuffle anything there's no chance you're exposing a card or you know you know what i mean like you can control the the that's again it's all part of the controlling the flow of information and if you're there ready to go when the match has started uh they have nothing to work off of mm-hmm. and uh, it's funny because i have a, a little anecdote that actually involves dale and me directly that that comes across with uh, like you know pre-match information this was a Mississauga regional that we were at, and Dale had asked me if I had any pulling the rugs that I could spare him for the tournament. He was playing, <laughs> he was playing scraps, and I was playing this like this Machina gear frame deck that uh, that I borrowed heavily off of his, one of his friends, Irvin So, and so he so here he knew my deck was first of all, and then on top of that, because he had pulling the rug, which was excellent against Machina gear frame. There were so many times where I would summon it and be like, there's somebody back who's like, I don't want to play it. Like, I've already, I've already defeated myself. And he TO'd me that match. Like, I, I beat myself up so hard after that match. Dale, I, I don't know if you remember that or not. Uh, no, I don't. But I <laughs> no, do remember, okay. I do remember the time you beat me. Because yeah, I don't remember was... wins. I remember losses. So yeah, I remember, like... I remember the, the Mermail Mirror match. Yep. And yeah, sucked. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. And I, I was. I was so nervous when I had to play against you that one because it's like it, it felt like a final boss moment. I never talked to Toronto Regional before that, by the way. And this was the first time it went to nine rounds, so I'm like, oh my god, I gotta face Dale oh, in the final rounds. So you got I, it I, off I, me, right? Yeah, I got off me. I got, I got off you. Yeah, I, there was a little bit of luck involved. I will say that for sure. But, but still, though, it's like, oh my god, I can't believe that. I, I can't believe that had to happen. But the, the, the losses. 
and, I, and it's funny enough because I, t- I talked about this to my girlfriend earlier today. I said like, like I had one win against Dale, and the stakes were highest. But granted, every other match that we played each other in, the stakes were at least high. It was either like a money match, it was a regional, or it was like a really prestigious like local tournament with like high pricing. So I'm like, I'm not not to take anything away from you, you or whatnot, Dale. But I mean, like we've had some like great matches before. Uh, that was just like the one lucky one that I just happened to get off you. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> you said it, not me. I know. I said. I you said it. You said it. Chris, I've but... Chris, I've strangely not had the pleasure of playing you though. Wait, really? Yeah, there's zero, there's zero pleasure in that. <laughs> <laughs> what? Do, I mean, I. You know what? I, you, I think. I think you might be right. Actually, I, I that that strikes me as weird because I, I have a memory in my mind, but now I'm also thinking, nope, maybe that didn't happen. No, so, never. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, because the events of you've done well, I have not done as well, and we just never actually sat down and had a casual game either. It's just because we've had a very limited amount of time seeing each other in real, even though we talked like yeah. online a lot. But yeah. Never really yeah. had any in real life experiences together as far as playing goes. We just get into really good deep talks whenever we see each other in real life, you and me, Chris. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's actually what my memories are. Like just sitting down like at an event and just t- t- chatting you up. Yeah. Are you, are you uh, sure, Chris, that they don't all just look alike? Wow, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just oh, putting that out there. Man. <laughs> well, Not I what I was had... thinking, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, neither was I. But I want to have some fun with you guys now. I haven't done this before, but since I've got two people on and you guys are really close with each other and I'm really good with you guys, I thought I'm going to fire off uh, a bunch of questions with you guys. And we'll go Chris first, then we'll go Dale second. And we can like talk, we can stop and explain it, like our answers in the middle of it all. But I'm going to fire off a bunch of questions at you guys. And you just kind of just answer them as we go along, all right? If I feel like it, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> if you feel like it. All right. So, uh, Depends what the questions are. Of course. I mean, you can, you can always refuse to comment. You Pass. Can refuse. <laughs> um, who's the best player on Overdose outside of yourself? Oh, I, it was almost an easy question. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just say it. Say Paul. Come on. Wow. Chris. No. You said best, right? Best. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Definitely not Paul. <laughs> um I wanna say uh man, you know what? I I, I wanna hmm, this is really tough. I mean at it's all contextual. I I wanna put like Iman at the top. I know a lot of people uh give him and they call him a cheater, uh, but I mean I, I mean, I, I know what happened and what didn't happen. And I've seen him play with my own eyes and I've seen him dominate uh, in ways that I very few people in the game uh, uh, and lesser people on overdose were able to match. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, Iman is up there. Um, I, I think I've also been really impressed by uh, uh uh, Shane, uh, in, in a lot of times where a lot of people, I think, sleep on Shane, they don't give him as much credit as, uh, as they give to people like me and Dale. Uh, mm-hmm. but Shane was an innovator, uh, for sure. Uh, a lot of the, the top decks, uh, throughout the ages were really just Shane's creation. Uh, and, and watching, I've, I've watched so many matches where he's been so far behind, uh, just because his opponents like open up like amazing and I write him off. And every time, every time I've ever written off Shane, uh, he's come back and, and won. And in ways I just, I was like, man, that, that was inconceivable to me five turns ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know that I've ever been, 
uh, as that surprised by uh, by other people. So I want to say the the two people that stand out uh, that deserve well deserve more recognition than they get are Iman and Shane. I know it sounds weird for Iman because he's got so many wins and and the, like a lot of people consider him the greatest. But like nowadays, like looking back, people think things about him that just aren't true. And I wish uh, they really were were able to see him play uh, up up close and personal like I did. <laughs> Dale, what about you? Yeah, not long. Is <laughs> anybody surprised about that one? No, I, I think I think I knew you were um, gonna say him. That's why I was like, just I'm not gonna. Yeah, okay, yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think, uh, I think if we played longer, it would have been like he would have had way more. He, he I, I don't question he would have been the greatest. Um, like no knock to Billy, no knock to Jeff, um, but those guys were playing before when we were playing, yeah. right? And we were we were ahead of them for I, they're phenomenal. They're like they're, they're they're they sit above us right now, right? And there was a time where they weren't on the radar. Like people tend to forget that Billy Break is the first feature match ever. And this is like the most historic Yu-Gi-Oh player right mm-hmm. now. But I mean, a lot of their pre. Sorry, Dale. Go on. I, didn't... Yeah, I was gonna go say on. a lot of their success came from them being there in the beginning and then staying on after that Konami takeover in 2009. Whereas, like every, a lot of the top players of that generation sort of just stopped playing. Uh, but they they took all the experience that. Uh, they had from before and then they applied it to this new era and were able to find success and, and so i agree with you i i don't i think if lazaro kept playing i think if any of us kept playing we still would have been on top of the game yeah. uh but uh yeah i mean that just that's a point about the post 2009 environment yeah it's it's uh like arguably we're not arguably the best. <laughs> I, this, uh, this is probably how we should close it, but I'm going to probably say it five times. You still put the creds that we had, which probably heavily ended in 2010. That's 11 years ago. And we're probably still better than every, still higher than everybody else. More wins, more tops. If that counts. If, if that's like the barometer for yeah. people, which usually is right yeah so. and, and this is not a this is not a, a, sh- a shot at winning teammates but like rimus didn't play as much as you guys did but and but he's already got like but he's got yeah, like several tops and he's got a national top and that already like encompasses like a, a vast majority of what like a lot of people can't even like get him close to at that point and rimus was able to have like so much success in, ver- in a very short amount of time and so when you use that as like probably like one of your lower ends of it. And just think, where do you, when you go higher from there, you look at all across the board, everyone's got at least like three or four more tops. Several of you guys have a win, like at least over half your team has a win. It's it. The numbers are astronomical when you add up all the credentials that every single individual member has. A lot of the things that you see though, but that people don't notice is how many times we've eliminated each Mm -hmm. other from top Mm -hmm. eight. Like Chris, Chris has taken a few bullets where he's probably the greatest player without a ring. Thank you, I appreciate that. Hundred percent, one hundred. Damn Marino. And and okay, <laughs> in my opinion, Matt, Matt Pedal is number two. But Matt no, Pedal. Chris is like 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 Chris's his staying power in the game is 
like knows no bounds, right? So thank you for saying that, by the way. And and <laughs> to Dale's point, yeah, I've come up against my teammates a lot. Uh in top, I've played against Paul, Adam, Shane, uh, and uh Lazaro but before he was my teammate. Uh and then after he was my teammate. And then, you know, I've I've also lost to, at the hands of my teammate too many times. I've lost to Lazaro, I've lost to Iman uh in the finals that not great feeling but i mean uh yeah so a lot of us don't don't get creds because we knock each other out and that's just a function of well that's what happens when you run eight people deep into a tournament it's like okay, mm -hmm. what you yeah like i i need to talk one back one thing back is there's no disrespect to billy and jeff yeah they're great by by doing this right but it's just i see a lot of interviews now and like oh, old old yugo players it's a different like you couldn't have caught up on like we could have easily caught up i just i want everyone to know that that the game will always be easy to us when you get to this level i man i had zero humble yeah but, <laughs> i mean i i don't i don't i didn't honestly i didn't come into this like conversation this way i was like you know what we got to go for it it's you know Bowie Bowie hyped me up and like you know what how do you guys make reads? How do you do this? I'm like, oh, I guess. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm supposed to do, Dale. That's that's my job here. That's what I'm, this is what I'm supposed the, to the, do. This is this is this is the Dale that was not liked in the beginning, <laughs> right? I, I don't know what and, you're talking about, man. Everybody liked you. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I like I've heard you talk about this a few times where you're just like, oh yeah, I was super arrogant. But you know what? Like, so was everybody, and ev or everybody thought that they were the best, and everybody like looked at looked at each other and said like, oh, I could beat you. And it's the same thing that you were feeling. Everybody else was feeling. But you know what? You were also super personable. Like, like you were. You might have had some moments where you were rough around the edges and maybe said a joke or two where that was wasn't really received well at the time or whatever. But holy crap like if if i can't i can't think of a single person at the time that doesn't fall in the exact same category myself included like i was awful uh and and i mean i'm just saying everybody loved you everybody that i knew that knew you always could say i love dale i love the canadians mm -hmm. I, I have a great time with them every time you're super funny to be around super fun uh and super interesting you're a great character like everybody loves you Thanks, Chris. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, I kind of had that thing. Admit yeah. <laughs> admittedly, I kind of had that thought about Dale when we when I first kind of like met him a little bit because he because he was like I felt he was a little bit like higher on himself, and which I understand because like him and him and his brother, uh, you know, Matt Pedal and Ryan Pedal. Matt has a brother, Ryan, who did used to play. who's was also very good in his own right. You know, they they got they were like pretty high in the mountain there, so I can understand like why they were very confident in what they were. And like I was like that too when I was in my own local. Like I was kind of high on myself, but it was when I finally sat down and then had like a real conversation with Dale is when he started you know when I started to find out like more about him this was like years and years ago and like and I was like he's actually really chill he's a lot more he's really sociable like really personable to talk to it's like you just need one good sit down conversation with somebody and it completely like can changes the whole complexion of the entire the entire conversation and like the way you see somebody or perceive them and then ever since then like Dale and I have always been like really good with each other like we've been really close I remember Dale said something really like really heartfelt to me one day and he said that you know if you would have lived in Toronto you know I, I think that we could have been like really close like really good friends we could like you could have been like one of the gang or something like that if you live in Toronto but proximity just kind of gets gets away from us and even more 
more now we can't even get close together because of the pandemic but he, once he told me that it's like completely flipped everything on my head and it's like man like i love dale and dale like more as we go on now and like it's been god like fourth like 16 17 years that we've known each other now dale and it's, it's been a long time yeah, anyway it, it, it's it's crazy it's crazy <laughs> and, and you know it's even crazier yeah i think i've known chris even longer i i can believe that that i can believe which is which is wacky but i okay so i'm just gonna talk on this part one last time yeah. about why like when you get to this level, the level of the overdose level and the level of a lot of like some teams are on right now, like the Duelist Academy. It, what's Jesse's thing called? Yeah, the uh, Duelist Academy. Duelist Academy, like that level, like Jeff level, Billy level. Like the reason why we can say we're so good is we could actually explain why we're good. It's not just, yeah, I'm good because of this, because I talk. Because it, no, if you need to meet, if, if I need to break something down, <laughs> I could separate, and Chris could do the same, separate him from the pact, mm -hmm. right? And a lot of people can't do that. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where, I guess, arrogance, the arrogance comes from. Like, I, I'm way past that point now. Obviously, it doesn't sound like it. <laughs> but, but did I do any... I try not to do any lead-up for, like, GOAT format worlds. Well, I did do a lead-up, but... Just I, I tried not to show all my cards. And this is part of why I have my videos out of me making reads. Do I want the community to think that I think this way? Because as Chris said, we're not on autopilot. And those reads aren't autopilot, right? Mm -hmm. So if I could have people remember maybe something that I did in a match that I know I won't do here, maybe I'm just, I'm trying to put stuff out there that, I need to be, or maybe you're so, not. <laughs> no, like there, there, there's, there's, so, so it's one of those things where <sighs> on, on dueling book, we play with, I play with alts. I have alt accounts, which have all got exposed, right? Because people play differently when they're against, when they know they're against me mm -hmm. and when they know they're against D3O. So it's just, uh, I, I know alts are looked down on and it's, I, I don't think it's looked down. I, I, it's just for me to, to get a little bit more, like, to, 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 to see the game from a different perspective. So, so it's yeah. interesting you say that, by the way. I, I mean, I, I also now reluctantly, by the way, not like because I want to uh, play on alts, but it's not because I actually feel like my games go better or more interesting or whatever. I actually prefer it when people know they're playing against me because to your point, yeah, they, they usually play worse or they usually play in more predictable ways uh, where they're, uh, and I'm, I'm thinking back to specifically like a play in that match that you just did against SD Killer where you were talking about snatch and I have to burn the snatch because you're never going to get mileage out of the snatch uh, because he knows you have snatch. Like that kind of thing, like I like that's an interaction that I is more predictable when people uh, know that they're playing against me. But if I'm just some random guy like that, they're just like, okay, whatever, I'll just activate whatever. And it's like, wow, okay, you bro, you didn't think this through and it's very frustrating because I don't have an answer for you or whatever. Anyway, my point is that... Uh, uh, that my reason for playing on alts is more about you'll have i'll drop a match like first of all i don't this is shocking to some people but i don't have a 100 win rate in goat format uh and 
Oh, wow. Did you just yawn? Like really heavy? <laughs> no, I, I gasped. Oh, I gasped. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, but a lot of people is that a lot of people think that like I'm at 100%, but I'm not. So I'm like, in, like inherently I'm going to lose matches. And at, like when I drop a match on K Perovic to uh, any, like anybody, it, it's usually not too long before somebody somewhere is either sharing that in their private discords, uh, sharing that with a conversation or like, like what AJTBLS did. And he's like, Hey guys, look at this pro read I did on, on Chris Perovic. He sucks. And I'm the best. <laughs> and it's like, wow, dude, that's like the, that's yeah. the number way, one way, the quickest way to make sure that we never play again for fun. Cause like you are super annoying. And, and I just like lose some respect for people when they do that. I'm not saying that they're like, they can't like recover their, from from that feeling that they give me in that moment uh but i'm just saying that it, it, i i hate being the um the uh the target of people like that it's like a catch-22 it's right it's like if i win they it's like okay well he was expected to win if i lose it's like oh my god it's the biggest thing of all time i've got to make a big deal about it so that's why i play on all so i just i don't like being surrounded by that but i wish i i could use my main account more because like i said i just feel like matches go easier i have the highest win rate when i play on that account Mm-hmm. But I only think that was the first question. I haven't, I haven't even gotten the set the second one yet. The win that one that ran a long time, but that was uh, that was something else. That was definitely fun. I definitely <laughs> won't do that again. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't worry. That's all right. We got time. Uh, second one of this quote unquote rapid fire. <laughs> <question. laughs> uh, who's the best player that it was never on OD? Sorry, a question. Who's the best player that was not on OD? Chris, you're first. Do I have to be? Yeah. Uh, I'd say there are two people, uh, Adrian Madaj and Wilson Luke. Ooh, I haven't heard that. Wilson Luke. I haven't heard that name in a while. Wow. Oof. And I'm, this is all contextual, by the way. Like, this was around a particular era of 2005 and then be a little beyond. But, like, while, while I played up until 2008, like, those were the two people who – uh, I thought were like top tier that weren't. Yeah. Um, for me, when we joined Overdose, so obviously, so cr- like me and Chris only got to play as team, like we're teammates for life. But he was out of the competitive scene. What year was that, Chris? Uh, I actually, my the day I quit was December first, two thousand seven. I came back for three events in two thousand eight, Costa Mesa to Minneapolis. But then after that, Minneapolis, it was yeah. I was done. Yeah, so a lot of people don't know that we never played competitively at the same time. So, like, Chris, like, I, I, I was a, we were flag carriers, almost, <laughs> right, for, for what, they, what they started. And I hate to say it, but we were the best team. There was you don't no player at that time. <laughs> oh, yeah, this yeah. is the right? Okay, so, so, historically, yeah, had there been players that, should have been on the team like that were better that could have been on the team yeah wilson is one of those players if you talk it back but like our era of dominance was like who else was consistently winning and topping that we wanted on that team right so it was the adam and lazaro race who were exactly on the same team and those were like those two were the poster boys for for Yu-Gi-Oh, right competitive Yu-Gi-Oh, and Jeff and Billy weren't on, like, I guess at the end of it. I'm really trying to think about it. Oh, I, I, 
yeah, could I talk it back now? Yeah, these players, after what they've done, could have been on that team, should have been, but on, honestly, no one. Fuck this this arrogance is. is... <laughs> yeah, but Dale, you, let me let me Dale, let me pick up a point that you're trying to make. Yeah. I also want to say that these players were not the players that they were uh later like in 2013 jeff jones 2013 was not what jeff jones was in 2006 jeff jones in 2006 was hanging around starwind jeff jones in 2006 was yeah. you know just sort of on duelist grounds and being sarcastic uh which he is i'm not saying he isn't but i'm like i'm just saying he wasn't he, he wasn't the person in 2006 who was saying you know what let me think about something interesting or innovative or like a particular strategy that other people aren't looking at. I think like Jeff saw an opportunity uh, after everyone kind of quit the game to say like, Oh, look, I can do something interesting again with the knowledge that he amassed over the years uh, and started looking at the game a lot differently. So do I think in 2006 that uh, Jeff Jones was at our level? No, not even close. Do I think that Jeff Jones, 2013, 2021, do I think he's at our level? I don't, I don't know. I think he might he might be better like than Yeah, yeah. So, so you know what I mean? Like I I'm I'm just saying that Jeff Jones is a great player by any metric today. It, but if you were with us back in 2005, I think you would not not be uh uh you would not disagree with us by thinking like, "Oh yeah, we're the best. There's no one really better." So to to your to Dale's point, I think yeah. we were the best, but I think there are, are other people. That's why I said my answer was contextual. I'm only looking uh, yeah. at the time I was competitive. Yeah, so I guess what we have to talk about is before we were on overdose, we were two separate teams, and then we just decided to be the best team. So, yeah, the the players overdose wanted or not wanted, like we wanted to team up because we were already collaborating, right? We were collaborating before that. We were I was collaborating with Paul and Shane and. Eventually, we just like, you know what, there's, I guess, Chris and Anthony kind of stopped playing. And it was really Paul, Shane, Adam. And then it was Mio, Zaro, Matt. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we just rejoined forces. Uh, let me throw a couple names at you and see if like they might be uh, they, they might be considered maybe the best that wasn't an OD, like past okay. or present. Okay, okay. Um, uh, I, I already know the names you're going to say. Patrick okay. Oban. <laughs> Okay, no, so I, actually, no. Surprisingly, no. Okay. He wasn't part of. He wasn't that era, right? Our era is like pre, like anything before 2010, right? 2007 to 2010. Yeah, we're we're, we're talking like before uh, Konami took over. Uh, up sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah. Talk, I'll talk. About I'm probably, okay. I, I'm friends with a lot of these people. That you're probably gonna <laughs> say, and no disrespect to any of you guys, you probably won't listen to this anyways. But no, Oof. no. <laughs> Sorry, Caesar. No. Wow. I wasn't gonna call him out specifically. I'm hoping that he Caesar, asks. Though. I love Caesar though. I'm hoping yeah. he. I'm hoping David asks about one particular person. Let's see if he does. Okay. All right. So uh, one name comes to mind. Hirosak uh, Punsumbat. Oh. Oh no. T T is part of this legendary, like, he was on Overdose on, on Odyssey and. Yeah. Like yeah, sure. No. Nope. Okay. Nope. <laughs> nope. Okay. I mean, I love T, don't get me wrong. I've had so much fun with all the Kamikaze guys, uh, and I love T, and I, we'll probably, I'm going to have to probably say this, or you'll probably have to infer this for the other people because I don't want to keep saying this, but yeah. but I've watched so many matches of T play where like I'll interrupt him in the middle of a match, fun matches when, when I interrupt, and I'm like, dude, are you, are you stupid? 
Like, why, why, why are you doing that that way? Like, you, you had game or whatever. And he's like, oh, didn't see that. Didn't see that. Whoops. And then uh, I've had so many interactions with that uh, that I I can't imagine that when I'm not watching him, he's not doing the exact same thing. Uh, so, no, I don't. And, and then also, I also find that he was not particularly difficult to read against. He was really good uh, about coming up with, like, certain things when other people weren't like, so, I mean, his era was 2004, but also, you know, T heroes, like that era T heroes was a pretty, like a really good deck and compared against the rest of the field. And, uh, and he deserves credit for that. But as a player, even from a technical point of view, no, I don't think he's at that level. All right. All right. Um, what about uh, Philly Luna? No, I think, okay. That's similar to T? why um, T. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Okay. S- similar thing. Okay. Uh, Jerry Wang. Oh, like, sorry, so I just sorry. want to say about Philly. Philly, uh, like I always felt, I did the same thing with him. I was also super critical back then, uh, but uh, he was way more. Um, I think, like I think, if we had T on right now, T would probably maybe think that he was great, and I was silly for criticizing him. But but Philly was like, oh yeah, you're right. Uh, he was always had a good humor about being criticized, and I appreciated that about him. <laughs> I, I never had a good humor. About him, so. uh, what about Jerry Wang? He was on overdose. Oh, Jesus. Dude, well, so hold, up, hold up, hold so, up, hold up. No, he wasn't. Okay. Are you really? Really, I'm saying like he was an honorary member, okay. but he was always adamant about doing his own thing, and that's a very like common misconception. Okay. Wow, I just found out, and I've been on this <laughs> so so David. So David, yes, one person. Yeah. Jerry. Okay, Jerry. Jerry all right, I agree. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry's one um, of the two people I've ever had true difficulty reading. I could. It's very difficult to get a read on Jerry. All right. I mean, I have a hundred percent win ratio against Jerry. Wayne, <laughs> just to put that out there. But no, the yeah, really, Chris. What? He was never. Yeah. So two things. One, I'm also 100% against Jerry Wang uh, in tournaments, between uh, Boston and yeah. Ohio. Uh, separately, uh, yeah, no, he was back in. So this is. I mean, I'm going. I'm age. I'm dating myself a little bit. But back in the neutral ground days, neutral ground regional days, uh, it would always be uh, like me, Anthony, Jerry, uh, Brian. Uh, uh, not. I'm not talking about Cornell because he didn't go to the regionals as much. I was talking about uh, per. Man, I can't pronounce the last name. It begins with a P. Uh, and there was a couple other people, like in the New York area, Cam, for example. Uh, we would always like get top at these regionals, and uh, there was always like a, a very high level of mutual respect, I'd say, between all of us, but in particular between Anthony and Jerry. And Anthony was sort of like the 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 center of overdose. I mean, I don't mean that because. Uh, well, I just mean like I, 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 he was the center of gravity for all of us. Like we all sort of circled around him. He was a big personality uh, that we all kind of. And I'm just saying Jerry was the same way with him that everyone was with Anthony. So it was really easy to uh, conflate that, that Jerry was uh, part of the team. But Jerry preferred to test by himself uh, and come up with things by himself because he had a very unique uh, passive play style uh that no one else really had and so he didn't really gain value from other people's opinions 
but he was but the thing that made uh his relationship with od different than his relationship with anyone else was that he was always willing to share with us because that there was that mutual level of respect and then if we were talking to him before an event he would say no i think this is good no i think this is good and like before columbus he would say yeah i'm gonna run monarchs with one decree with treeborn frog and we're like um i don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> but you know he did his own thing and, and he found success doing his own thing and and he he did have a uh a, a collaborative relationship with him but no he he was adamant about not being on od when when worlds happened uh and sorry when nationals happened in 2005 he was happy to say like this was the this was who i went to nationals with this was the the group i was with uh and yeah if you want to call me overdose for that like okay i'm overdose but it was not so much like oh i'm gonna play test with this group as much as the rest of the group play tested with each other or, or anything like that. So he's, it's kind of standoffish. It's kind of weird. Uh, he may look back and even say he was OD, but I'm just, I'm saying I was there in the moment. It was very much a, uh, like, is he on OD? I don't know. Whereas, whereas it was well, more defined with everybody else. So, so every, I swear, every metagame article lists Jerry Wang on over. Yeah, I know. <laughs> So, he was an so, honorary member. Like that's what we called him. Like when he wasn't so, around, we said he's an honorary okay. member. Uh, like he's he's we we used to say he's on OD whether he likes it or not. Uh, but I'm just saying he was always very adamant about doing his own thing. So I've always had him on the team to say this was the greatest team of all time, and I'm gonna stick sure, by yeah, that. Still. No, it's, <laughs> it's not like he was on another team. Exactly yeah. right. <laughs> I mean, later later on he was, but. Shh. <laughs> we, yeah. What's your next question? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Jerry Wang definitely um, belongs up there. That's the answer to your question. I think me and Dale both agree. Yeah. Yeah. Any other players you're gonna say? Uh, I, I was gonna say Lebounty, Jonathan Lebounty. Oh, you did it! You did it! Uh, that was the one. Yeah. That, that was the last one I had in my mind. Yeah. No, he's trash. <laughs> <laughs> I love Lebounty. No, he's trash. Uh, <laughs> Um, I don't have enough. Uh, yeah, I don't have a a, a talking point. Okay, all right, fair enough. All right, let's go. Let's go on. Um, I think it's a little bit more obvious with Chris. Maybe not so much with uh, Dale. But favorite deck of all time. Dale, you go first. <laughs> um, Card of safe returns on. Oh yeah, I, I see. I remember that regional, that Toronto regional, at the end of it all. Like you, I think you, I think Shen and Lazaro were going around asking everybody. It was like, hey, you got any card of safe returns for trade? Like you guys were hoarding it, and then you guys were getting ready to play that, uh, to play that big event. I think I think it was uh, Comic Odyssey Burn that won that event, if I recall correctly. If I a little hazy. No, it it was La Bounty. La Bounty enough. Funny enough. Not? Okay. La Bounty. LeBounty. So me and Paul were both in top four. Yep. I was against Hugo with Seal Burn, and he was against LeBounty. LeBounty just pot of Avarice into Crush Sangan into sacking the shit yeah. out of him. And I, and I know that LeBounty also knocked out uh, knocked out Chris in top, top eight there in that same tournament, if I recall correctly. That's my new okay. thing. <laughs> it sucks I'm pretty sure both of these were supposed to be in opposite brackets too, so you guys could have actually played each other as well if if you guys won out until the end. Who me and you and Chris? Chris? Yeah. Wow, I don't know. But yeah. I'll take your word for it. We we yeah we were so I wasn't we weren't even on overdose at right. that time. It was just like we were 
collabing, right? We ended up joining teams because we've collabed so much. And I mean, that, that, that's how Paul yeah, got yeah. the zombie deck from you guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was in trade for an Ill, three Illbloods to yeah. borrow. Which, you know, I mean, that, yeah. It, it worked exactly. out for all of us. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, I think I think my answer. I mean, I'd have to like go back. I don't really want to go back. Uh, I'd say there was a brief period in 2013 when I played, and I I loaded up Dino Fists that YCS Meadowlands. Uh, and but in lead up to that tournament, I was testing Infernities a lot. And I'm just saying, I really like Infernities. As a deck. Oh, oh damn. Okay, sorry. I have to talk yeah. that back. Infernities. Yeah, Infernities. Oh, Infernities. No, it's a good deck. Yeah, Infernities. Uh, damn. Uh, so like, I'm sure there are other decks of across the years that i'm not thinking about uh but yeah i mean if i'm not putting too much thought into this i think the obvious answer is uh dark armed uh or dad ddt that was my yeah. i felt like it was the strongest deck I'd, I'd ever i'd ever come up with uh or played uh relative to the field and it felt like i was just playing a different game yeah. all right there's, there's a side question i do want to ask you specifically chris about this because you were also teammates with one of the other best DDT players, DDT players of all time in Mark Glass. So I, I want to know, like, how was, uh, how was it having, like, comp- compare yourself to Mark when it came to playing DDT? <laughs> I could answer that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What do you want to say, Dale? You can take it. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean... The thing that I'd say, let me start by saying, um, okay, ho- hold on. I, I, I can go on. It. So <laughs> let's talk about Yu-Gi-Oh brothers. There's obviously, if we're going to put Mark and Chris's brothers, it's not Lazaro and Dale. <laughs> it's Bobby and Billy. Wow. <laughs> okay. So first of all, I'm not going to say anything quite like that. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna. I, I want. I will say though. So like, first of all, uh, of all the people, of all the true sh- like strangers that I've met in this game, uh, like people and people in particular that I came across the uh, to know uh, after the beginning, the, like because I've known Dale uh, almost since the beginning. But I'm saying like the the people that I've kind of like met midway. Uh, Mark Glass or Chris Glass was. Uh, by far one of the kindest people that I'd ever met. Uh, so I am not inclined to say anything negative about him. Oh, if we're, if we're talking about kindness, Chris is Bobby. Okay. And Marcus. <laughs> Any, but that's not what we're Sure. About. Okay. So that said, two things. One is it is very frustrating, or at least it, not so much now. Uh, well, not at all now because it doesn't come up now. But back in the day, it was very frustrating that um, – you know, there was that St. Louis event that Diamond 2 Turbo was first legal for. Uh, the deck list that I had made, uh, which is what um, Carlo uh, Carlo Lope, I mean, Carlo Perez, yeah, Perez. used to uh, win the event. Uh, I shared that with his teammate uh, on Project D Forum, and, like, nobody knew about that. Uh, and then at the next, very the next format, which was, uh, I mean, the next format, which was also the next event, was Houston. I made a deck. I got second place with it. I, I, it, it was, it was crazy because I was, I did. It, everyone else was like playing like monarchs, or Paul was playing gadgets, and I, that's why I played Paul in top sixteen. I played Adam Corn in top eight. Uh, I played Kenson Yee in top four, uh, and these were all like 
names. And I just, I felt like I dominated the field. Uh, and I happened to lose against Iman, who was the, like the one person in the room playing against playing Bazu return, uh, which was a bad, anyway, my, I'm getting off track. My point was that, uh, I made the deck when no one else was even, everyone else thought it was dead. Every, no one even thought it was like a thing. And then the very next event, uh, Mark Glass used my deck, added Dasher, which made the deck worse, uh, and used Wabaku instead of Threatening Roar, which was worse, and uh, won. And then, like, everyone sort of just gave him credit for it. They're like, wow, it's a really good GDT deck that you came up with, Mark Glass. And it was like, whoa, did you not pay attention to what happened, like, two weeks before? Like, that was... That was the actual innovation. And then, uh, so that was, that was kind of frustrating. So then the following event that we were, uh, that we played at, which was Montreal, uh, I had the opportunity round two to play against him and I beat him. And I felt like that was like for the crown of like, who was the diamond dude turbo champion. And which is to say, uh, that in summary that I, I, I did always feel like I was a better, uh, diamond dude turbo player i felt like i was a diamond better diamond dude tur turbo innovator uh and uh he rode on my coattails in that respect uh <laughs> but uh that said that said at the time anyway uh very few people were very interested in the deck um very i mean nowadays it's like it's like a thing that like someone like you david and some of my mm -hmm. closer friends like will go back and say like that was the most explosive deck of all. like i love playing from that era or whatever and like they might even have like their own copy built or something like that but uh at the time like nobody wanted to touch it like nobody got it nobody understood it they were like i play i picked this up and i, I don't know how to win and, and a lot of it involved like thinking out like 12 moves in advance uh, at a time when you know decision trees only had like two branches and uh, like that's not a thing that was well suited for a lot of people. So I give him a lot of credit for picking up the deck. I give him more credit for finding success with the deck. He definitely obviously had to do like quite a number of things right. But I'm just saying the the difference between uh, that and me, I still felt was large enough that I thought that I was like definitively the better Diamond Dude Turbo player. Mm -hmm. All right, all right. I'm glad I got that. I, I, go, I, go I'm gonna stay here. I'm gonna stay here quickly on one you point. Go. So, um, Chris talked me out of Diamond Dude. Turbo, oh my God! Don't bring this up. And <laughs> and I beat him. In, I beat him in top eight. Okay, that's it. Okay. In that in that same tournament. So I just want people yep. to know. That, he gave uh, me. It could have. gave me the magical stones. It could have been three of us. He gave me the magical stones to that event. No, no, it wasn't that. It was uh. That was. I played the his work. I, I played the deck that was his worst match. Right? I mean, we keep talking about this. But... Old Vind old vindictive magician. You can't. It was Exile Force. Exile Force answers it. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, I yeah. So so what? All right, all right, all right. All right. I I had an exam the following <laughs> Monday, so I couldn't go to that event. I was so upset because four of my friends went and they all bombed out. They had all the combined wins of one win after three <laughs> rounds. I'm like, and they and they all left. They all left after day one. They didn't care to come back. It's like, yep. I'm like, you guys, you guys just suck. Out. Uh, I'll and I'm gonna flip it, so I'm gonna go with Dale first now this time. Uh, your favorite favorite yeah. events of all time? Uh, Shonen Jeff Chicago 2005, <laughs> because not because I met because uh, I won, but that's where the the relationship with all the U.S. players started. Mm -hmm. That that's really it, right? And um, we came in there starstruck by overdose, mm -hmm. and then Lazaro 
beat Brian Cornell round one. I'm like, hey, what do you know? They're normal. <laughs> well, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. They're not normal. They are. We're on that. You're level. not. In, we're yeah, not right. invincible. Yeah, they're mortal. Yeah. yeah, best way to put it. So yeah, yeah. There, there was a time where we were reading, like we were in Canada, right? So we, we didn't have a. We couldn't go to events, right? Our events was nationals. I got laughed at by the states. So. Yeah, it it was just we went, we dominated, and yeah, the, re- the rest is history. I, I posted on Paul in top eight. I'm just gonna put that out there. In top, in no top four, and then I posted on Carlos in top in the finals. Yeah, and I and I told and I and I yelled to Paul. No, I told Carlos. I'm like, ask Paul what I did. <laughs> so like, yeah, I was talking big back then. And it's and never it, stopped. <laughs> he had to go against back-to-back never, Belitos you, on that one, too. You, you know why? Because the better Belito is so humble and quiet. <laughs> I just... You can't get two of them. <laughs> <laughs> just like, you know what? Today, Chris was the humble one. and I don't, Good cop, bad cop. I was, I was really hoping that Lazaro would have beat Carlos. That would have been like you versus Lazaro in the finals. I, was, I wish that happened. I, I was praying that happened during that time. So, so we had a crazy run where anytime both of us made top eight, obviously, Lazaro won most of them. Anytime both of us made top eight, we automatically won the tournament. Yeah. Till Philadelphia when I scooped to Adam. That was the only time it didn't happen, when we both made top eight and didn't. I'm not saying I would have won, but Adam obviously had the better matchup. He had, he had prime material, Monarchs versus in a gladiator beast field. Would he beat me? He probably would have beat me if we played anyways, but... That was the only time that we both didn't make top. Like, we both made top in Toronto when he won. We both made top in Chicago when I won. We both made top in Costa Mesa when he won. And I think it was Toronto twice. I can't remember. But Philadelphia was would have been the only other mm-hmm. time. Uh, Chris, uh, your favorite event? Uh, Shonen Jump North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina, it, okay. It was not the one... I didn't actually top. Uh, I I bubbled. I lost to J Kim in the in round nine, and uh, that's my own fault. I was in complete control of this match, and I lost on time. And ever since then, I've 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 sat on the side facing the clock. Uh, I didn't even know time was like coming up. Uh, yeah. But uh, but that was the event. So I mean, we Shonen Jump New Jersey was the the event that uh, Overdose kind of went to first. We we formed together on April second, two thousand five, and that was the first event after that that we played at. And we've got two people in top four, and we played against, uh, on both sides of the bracket, we played against Comic Odyssey, and we lost both of those matches. And we thought in the beginning, like, that that was it. Like, we just, like, that that was our one shot to stop this uh, California powerhouse from dominating, uh, you know, our the game overall. But in particular, like, we felt like, uh, you know, we lost or we failed at uh, defending our territory. Uh, but then at the last minute, we... Like truly at the last minute, we all decided to rent the car and like we were, we were under 25. So so most of us were under 25. So it was kind of an issue like to get a rental car because you have to be over 25 uh, to rent a car. Uh, And we drove, we drove down to North Carolina uh, and we, uh, we didn't have a hotel that Friday night. We drove down like through the night. We were outside the convention center area in our pajamas because we changed in the car and we had our toothbrushes on us because I mean, anyway, my point is that th- that was the event like we went into. We said, you know what? We're going to do it. We're going to do it. We showed up. And sure enough, Anthony took it home. And 
uh that was like we all barricade like like bombarded him after he won uh mm-hmm. smothered him with hugs and like just we were ecstatic and i've i mean since then a lot of it a lot of um our success has has sort of been drowned out by this um i guess expectation that we would succeed um or it's been like undermined by this expectation that we would succeed but at that moment like i i guess the that was when we were still the underdogs uh and and to come back and and win that or to come out uh unexpectedly and win that event uh for me was uh was like the, i guess the made it the best event that i've ever been a part of yeah well i guess that's part of the reason why i like chicago too right we we came in as underdogs we weren't known yeah i get that so yeah it, it put us it put us on the map just like you were saying it put you on the map so I, just go back because this actually has an influence with both of you two. Um, so my the first regional I ever won was with Diamond Dude Turbo, oddly enough, and that this was when this was the format when uh, like Zombie Return and Perfect Circle like Monarchs was like the the best decks of the format, and I won a Montreal regional with uh, Diamond Dude Turbo. I was parentally laughed at by Toronto because because uh, like I was just the small town guy who like never could always struggled every single toronto event that i played i go to montreal i like destroy them like win the whole event like they played the top eight at that point in time because uh prizing wasn't as great as it was in toronto and i remember like toronto would just like laughed at montreal saying that, that you guys can't you guys like couldn't beat a guy some scrub from from peterborough who's who can't like do well in toronto regionals and then i remember two weeks later there was a toronto regionals and then i got like massively destroyed by like half the by like half the meta out there and just it and it was like oh man it was so painful just going from like a regional win to like just getting destroyed and virtually with the same deck too so ddt for chris because you know the you know, ddt is kind of one of his decks and then like toronto lined up because i think dale you were i think you were kind of a part of that too just kind of laughing at exactly i was like i was like yeah I, i'm pretty sure that was me maybe leading the pack yeah <laughs> By saying that, <laughs> it's it sounds like 2007. Dude. I know, right? Oh, so long ago. Um, what's your favorite memory with the other person? So, Dale, what's your favorite memory of Chris? Um, <laughs> it doesn't have to be positive on Chris's part. I, you can you can knock on him for all you want. <laughs> no, no. Um. <laughs> We've, uh, wow. Oh, no, no, no. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to, this, our relationship has grown so much over like the years. Right. And I think it doesn't even have to be a Yu-Gi-Oh moment either. It doesn't even have to evolve. It was, it was, it was. It was edited out of this conversation. This <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where yeah. you struggled to think yeah. of one no, it, positive memory. <laughs> no, I, th- there's a ton of positive memories, but it's not. It's what was one of the reasons that I was arrogant and wanted to get to the next level is to prove these guys, to prove the overdose guys, Chris primarily, that yo, we belong with you guys. Uh, or, or let alone, we're we're amazing friends now. Mm-hmm. Just to let you guys know, but I just want to prove to Chris that hey, I belong with you guys. 
that's that's my memory like like you might not have thought it at the time but i i was definitely definitely supposed to be there uh yeah i mean i i feel i feel like that uh now and i can understand why you would why you say that and why you would think that like i wouldn't think that uh i wouldn't have thought that back then i i also was like I still am super arrogant, but I'm way more low key about it nowadays. Uh, but uh, but back then, I I mean, I definitely like I don't I don't think I thought. I think I had like a, a top ten players, and <clears throat> there was like a video I did with like Ned, uh, where I was like in Anthony's kitchen, and there was like oh name the top ten players, and like I didn't name you, uh, and I remember like you thinking like wow, you did you did you just not mention me on purpose, and then. Like for me, it was like, wow, yeah, I feel like Dale is not at the level of like Lazaro or and I don't know if I even put Lazaro on that list, but in particular, like uh, Adrian Madaj, right? Like he's like he's always somebody that like raised to the top of my head as somebody and Wilson Luke, like I just mentioned. Uh, but like I never thought at the time, I didn't think that you were on that level. Uh, so. Uh, I mean, I understand what you're talking about and to everyone who's listening. Yeah. Me and Dale, like we are really good friends now. We are actually probably better friends today than we ever were, even when we were on the same team. Uh, and that's because there's this now long and storied history of us uh, competing against each other and working together uh, and uh, specifically trying to be better than the other person. And like then ultimately collaborating with each other. And, and honestly, I guess my, to, to answer your question, David, my, my favorite memory of Dale involves like when they decided to join Overdose uh, or like when we approached them and when we had talked about it, it was at Costa Mesa. Um, and for me, that like my the reason that's my favorite memory is because I feel like that was the turning point in our relationship. It went from being, uh, you know, like I will look down on you or I have to look down on you because you're not on our team slash I'm going to try to get as much information from you as I can because I'm looking out for my team uh, slash, you know, you, uh, you can't beat me. And it went, it went from that to uh, like, I am all in on being on the same page. And for me, our relationship was so much better after that moment, after it became uh, more collaborative uh, from the outset, not just like in the days leading up to an event, but just, you know, if, if we ever rang each other or hit each other up online, then we could just like talk to each other freely and not have that sort of, uh, barrier in between of like, Oh, I'm rooting for you to, I'm secretly rooting for you to lose. Uh, ever since we dropped that, uh, I feel like our relationship has gotten a lot better. And that's why I'm saying, I think that that's my favorite memory of, of, of us that, because it's just that it was, it, it made everything better. Would you, yeah, to, to take, to t sorry, to take the negative away from it, it was Chris was pushing me to get to that, to get to where I am now, yeah. right? Chris is part of the story of, like, not part of my, I, as much as he's part of my story, I'm part of his. It's just, yeah, Chris made me the player I am today. He's, he's definitely, he has a chapter there. So. That that's I don't mean I don't mean for it to be negative, um, but yeah, the, like stuff happens for a reason, and it's growth. And we'll go to the last question out of it. Uh, who is the better record between you two, head to head? 
Uh, we only played once. Wait, is that true? Yeah. Please don't let that be true. <laughs> yeah. Montreal, that's not Montreal. true. Hold told... up. Hold up. No, that's not true. No, when else did we, we played play? on Dueling Book, dude. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that that like well, all, any like official matches. I don't, I don't want to say maybe like just fun like test well, he, matches, but it was it was a heavy slump there. Yeah, and I and I busted you up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we we. Yeah, I don't think we played in in Shonen, or Shonen Jumps or YCS's. Uh... No, we, we we only ever played once, and uh... yeah, you won. Yeah, just you uh, won. It was it was it was I won. Uh, Montreal. I, I won. Old Vindictive Magician, I'm gonna call it to that. <sighs> Whatever. Yeah, yeah, because I know that there's a the feature match between you two um, in, in top eight, and yeah, that was I think I know you were running DET at the time, Chris, because we were talking about that. So you know, of course, Chris beats Mark, and then now Dale beats Chris. Uh, you know, later on in the tournament, which is kind of funny how that all kind of happens, like all future teammates coming at each other. And again, this goes back to what you guys were saying. It's like you know, we kind of knock each other out in in events because you know, eventually you're gonna get up there. And of course, it's it's hard to it's hard to avoid that point in time. If everybody is well, eventually you gotta you gotta play against each other. And uh, Dale, what were you playing that day again in Montreal? Monarchs, apprentice monarchs. Okay. When everyone else was running like Dekoichi monarchs, Dekoichi spies. Yeah, and that's when Crystal uh, Crystal Seer came out. Were you running Crystal Seer in that deck? No, no I don't no. think so. I'm pretty sure. Oh, I okay, so it's like Old Vindictive. That was like really the big card. Yeah, I wanted to go like you attack Old Vindictive, flip tribute for Thessalos. Yeah. Attack. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. What's uh? What a fun time having you both back on. First time I ever had someone return, aside from Ruggles, who was just, but that was a completely different thing. So you two are the first two I've ever had back on. Both very good friends of mine. I'm glad I was able to have this uh, very fun conversation with you. And uh, it's kind of fun to see, like, just two great friends just kind of just go at each other's necks for a little bit as well. <laughs> so you guys provided a definitely an entertainment aspect uh, on my side of the story. And again, both of you are engaged. And, of course, Chris did it more recently, so... Congratulations, Chris, for uh, your recent engagement. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, Chris, we'll start with you, man. Any shout-outs you want to give before we head out? Um, I mean, shout-out to my fiancé for, you know, being supportive of me doing this. Uh, but then separately, uh, I want to shout-out all my Overdose teammates. Uh, I love you. I miss you all. Uh, I'm sad that we don't have something binding us together like uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! once did. And then I want to shout-out GoFormat.com for keeping the dream alive. Uh, and I encourage everybody to check that out if they haven't already. Mm-hmm. And Clash of Champions is uh, happening this weekend, so anywhere, everyone can tune in on that. Check out if you've been a championship of a, a YCS, Shonen Jump Championship, Go Format Championship, ARG, LCS, or FLC, or uh, Nationals, uh, you can be part of it. Uh, Dale, any shout-outs on your end? Um, <laughs> it's so repetitive, but yeah, my fiancé too. <laughs> for allowing me to be on these calls and um yeah like like accepting this hobby that she never knew existed <laughs> um my overdose teammates as well i want to show them even more love they <laughs> <laughs> um, always have to one up everybody <laughs> and yeah like the 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 goat format community and um I call this season two of Goat Format, and um, it's, it, it, it just shows how recently I've got into it, where 
Chris has been this flag carrier for quite some time. But yeah, I think season two of Go Format is insane. A lot of new stuff and thinking of format, like I, I stopped playing last format at the end of it because I felt it got stale. And no, now now it's kind of cool. And yeah, every everyone in the community and GoFormat.com especially, um, Scully does a great job of promoting and keeping up with everybody. Yeah, and then we we don't have a date yet for the actual world championships. I, I asked Skelly, uh, I think last night, and he he didn't have a set date yet for it, but he's he's got an idea. It's probably gonna happen around the fall time. But I'm looking forward to that, and he's absolutely done a great job. Also, he's he was the first podcast that I did uh, this year, talking about it leading up to uh, the event that I commentated, and that's a wet world championship belt. Looks absolutely stupendous. I'm assuming you guys have already seen that belt. Oh yeah. I love that. Belt. Yep. I love that belt, and that's going to be a really cool prize to hand out to whomever gets that. Uh, I think Dale, you came second place. I think in the last World Championships, if I recall. Uh, yeah, yeah. Can't let that yeah. slip by you this time. You got to get that belt <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. Do I want me to win? But I would be equally as happy if any OD member won. Of that. course. So. Same. Can we, can we expect Lazar to be in that event too, though, Dale? Or do you have uh, any idea about that? Uh, he, he has to qualify for it, so he, he'll probably play this weekend. Oh, so his his show and jump championship wins don't don't really count, or or rather, I don't know. Oh, that's for the I, I don't know I'm sorry, how. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's just for Clash. Uh, I don't think uh, Chris is or not Chris. Uh, Scully is allowing. I, I don't know what the the invites yep. are. But like, so just just to be clear, last last season, uh, the oh, the right. legacy players uh, who had uh, topped an event during 2005 were extended a courtesy invite to the World Championships. If you did not use your invite uh, last year, that invite will carry over till next year. Lazaro obviously used his invite, so it does not carry over. He's going to have to requalify. Uh, all, Actually, oh, hold on, let me finish. I, I, I might be wrong on one part, but just let me say this last part. If you did yeah. qualify, uh, uh, in addition to having that legacy invite, and then you did play in Worlds, uh, like what as was my case, like because I I won a Format Library Championship and I also topped back in two thousand and five. Uh, my invite is also, or I I don't have a, a, a the same legacy invite to lean on. So like those those expire for people who happen to play for you know whatever reason uh so just just to say that i don't have an invite yet and I'm, that's one of the reasons why i want to play this clash tournament because uh mm -hmm. you know i need my world's invite mm -hmm. and what am i wrong about Dale? oh yeah lazar didn't have a top in 2005 he he, <laughs> oh, he won yeah, entry on that yeah, tournament yeah. that you made for free. yes i forgot about that yes i you know what i hooked you guys up i mean i, I made it so we could all play yeah oh <laughs> All right. So again, classic champions happening this weekend on goatformat.com. I could commentate again. I'm not sure what my scheduling is yet, but I could be on there. And the other guys actually found out that I do actual sports broadcasting in real life too. So uh, they were a little bit shocked to find out when I actually got on and had to take over play by play duties for a little bit. It's like, Oh, he's actually going uh, pretty hard with it. So a lot different from uh, what I think Lucas usually takes the play by play. And I, and I would do color for the most part, but uh, we, we had to swap roles because he had to step out for a half an hour break for lunch and kind of took over for a bit. A lot of fun though. Before we leave, one sec, Dale, I mean, not Dale, uh, David, I just want to say, I want to, I want to say on behalf of the goat format community, I know that like 
before we did uh, our first uh, podcast together, uh, yeah. you were not as involved in the GoForma community as you are today. And I just want to say, I think we all appreciate that you've taken an active interest in it and that yeah. you've extended uh, these invites to me and Dale to return to talk about GoFormat and that you're promoting it. I, I think it, you're doing a service to the community at, that I know we are uh, thankful for. So I just want to thank you on behalf of everybody for doing what you're doing. Oh, of course. Absolutely. And not to mention that I, I too was, even though I was a noob, like I was terrible. Like I, I think I start, I was just starting out maybe like a year in, but I too was a part of that format as well. And you know, it's, it, it has some sentiment to me as well, because knowing that like, that's where I kind of grew up on. Those are my roots. Cause I've been in this game a long time too, almost as long as you guys have. So mm-hmm. of course it's something I, I want to support and something that I personally love as well. And you know, it's, it's nice to kind of, get a refreshing change of pace at Yu-Gi-Oh! And I'm glad that like Goat Format is being able to like stay alive because there's always been such a yearn, the demand for it. And now we finally have it in like in a tangible form and it's nice to see it. And I'm happy to, happy to help out in any way I can with this and bringing you two on definitely was going to be a, a big cornerstone. Cause I know you guys are absolutely highly involved with this. Absolutely love it. And I can't, not that I blame you guys. Cause I love being a part of it too. And uh, yeah, I, I always look forward to, being a part of goat format moving forward well thank you absolutely yeah. all right that is dale bleedo and chris Paravic. that is god and superman respectively as their <laughs> nicknames of uh as dale says the best Oh team to ever exist in history chris and dale thank you so much for joining me on and being the uh first returning guys uh for my podcast let's make it a three-peat <laughs> We, we very well could. Maybe yeah. with the World Championship coming up, we'll have to talk again soon. Yeah, absolutely. For sure, for sure. All right, you, you gentlemen have a wonderful night. Thank you so much. You too. Take care. You too. Thank you. Like, hopefully oh. nobody interrupts me. And then it <laughs> should be fine. Should be fine for the love of God. Nobody better freaking call me. Like my mom's called me a couple times in between podcasts, and I'm I just it's like, damn it, mom! Mom, I'm, I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs>